Good morning, Moore Tribe. We're so glad you could join us for our version of Church Online. We hope to bring a piece of our home and authentic atmosphere to wherever you are right now. We miss you all and pray blessings over you and your families. We will be posting more on all of our social media and would love for you to follow, watch, and comment to keep us all connected. Lastly, we want to ask you to please give online to support your church. We couldn't do any of this without you. We appreciate your support, your prayers, and the time you've taken to be with us right now. Good morning, church. Thank you for tuning in to week six of Church Online, and uh, so glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, it's good to see your smiling faces out here in front of me. I thought I would start with a couple of uh, just these, these jokes that Lindell, Pastor Lindell sent out in his weekly update this week are worthy of repetition, and uh, just a couple of little things he wrote about life as we know it today uh, on on uh, during the coronavirus. He said that uh, that they said a mask and gloves were good enough to go to the grocery store, and they lied because everybody else had clothes on. I just thought that was a pretty funny, funny statement. But the one that's the best that he wrote this week in his update was one that just made me think of Lindell. It was so Lindell. He said, this is the first time in history that we can save the human race by laying in front of the TV and doing nothing. Let's not screw it up. So I thought that was very... Pastor Lindell-like, so thought I would start with that this morning. Well, I invite you this morning to get relaxed, get your Bible, uh, maybe get a pen and paper. If people do that anymore, maybe just write on your tablet, whatever. Uh, grab you some coffee. We have a little more scripture than normal this, this morning, uh, but I want you to sit back and I want you to get into a mode where you can let the Holy Spirit teach you and guide you as we go through these scriptures today. I hope that you'll uh, jot some of this down and that you will go back and revisit it. Before we start, though, and before we start even praying, I just want to say how much I just praise the Lord for this season uh, and, and what we've kind of been forced into. Churches all over the United States have been broadcasting their services online, and we had to all scramble to get it done, and you know it's been a real learning curve, but every pastor that I've talked to, every pastor that I know of has said the same thing, that they're reaching two and three times more people by doing this than they've ever done by just having church. And the gospel's going all over the world. In fact, I've heard a couple of different specific numbers of people that have, have just responded uh, in the thousands of people coming to Christ uh, as a result of these broadcasts. So, you know, sometimes something very ugly can cause us to do, change what we're doing, and sometimes that change is very good. So let's just begin with prayer this morning and just praise God for his goodness, uh, and for his, his, just his ways. So God, I just thank you this morning. Uh, we praise you. We praise you because you're so brilliant. And because we praise you that you can turn very bad and ugly things into something that's so good. And so God, we just love you for that. We love it that you're that way, not only with something like this, but even with lives that are so messed up and so broken. Even after people make mistake after mistake after mistake, you can take those lives and turn them into something that's really, really good. And so, God, right now, we just want to thank you also for the healings that have come into our church, uh, those that have been sick in our church in the past, past few weeks, just the great testimonies that are coming forth from those people and how your healing hand has touched them. And, God, we just thank you for your good news. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. And we ask, God, that this morning, as the churches all over the place broadcast your word that it would go around the world and for the first time people that are just trapped in religious oppression would hear the good news of Jesus and they would be able to throw off that yoke of slavery to bondage to religion and accept you for the first time your loving grace and how you've made things right you've made things right God in Jesus name amen amen well we're going to continue our study in the book of James. It's been so encouraging uh, just during this time. But you know, it's designed to do more than that. It's designed not just to encourage us. It's designed to actually set us free during these times of, of uh, trial. You say, free from what? Well, free from stress, free from fear, free from worry, anxiety, and especially free from anger. 
I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. You know, this book of James, it's, it's, just, four, it's just five short chapters, 108 verses. But there's 54 commands in those 108 verses. James was so adamant about communicating how to get through times of trial. He was so adamant about living the real, genuine Christian faith that 54 times in 108 verses, he gives us direct commands on how to get through and, and to live for God during times of trial. You know, like, consider it all joy. Ask God for wisdom. You can't doubt. You must have faith. You must believe. Just so many direct commands that are designed to bring freedom to us during a time of suffering. Well, even this week, uh, I had a particular setback, and um, I experienced uh, uh, this setback at the, my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter from Fort Worth and Arlington. She sent me a, a text, and it had a, uh, well, this picture will come up, and it, it just says that we're not going to be able to go to Oktoberfest in Germany in the fall, and we were really bummed about that. We've been planning a vacation to Europe uh, for over a year with my youngest daughter and her husband, and we were going to go to Spain, and we were going to go to Sardinia and Italy and end up in Germany at Oktoberfest, and, uh, you know, it's canceled because of the pandemic, and, and it was a bummer, but that's what happens sometimes during these kinds of things, and I thought instantly about the book of James. I thought instantly about some scriptures that James wrote in here that address this very thing. And it's in James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. He said, now listen, you who say tomorrow or, to, or today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend the year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I just instantly thought of these verses whenever we found out that we couldn't go on our vacation, when I was bummed. You know, it's one of the things that happens when you go through times of trial. Many times your travel plans are restricted. Your travel's restricted. And it's not uh, something you choose. It's something that kind of is put on you. And it, and it can make you a little bit angry. You know, it's something I didn't want to happen. It's something that none of us wanted to happen. And it was very disappointing. But it just reminded me how fragile and how how quickly lives can change. Any of our lives can change in just a moment. And sometimes those changes can be very good. Uh, don't get me wrong. Sometimes changes are awesome. But sometimes changes like this, they can be aggravating and extremely inconvenient. You know, I could get mad. I could get upset. But what, did, what good would that do? It wouldn't do any good at all. But I've noticed in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of this, this thing that we're going through uh, all together, that suddenly there seems to be a lot of anger out in the world. You know, anger towards Congress. You know, anger towards our president. You know, anger towards China. And even anger towards God. You know, James, he'd address this. I guess it's typical for human beings when we get something imposed upon us that's aggravating or inconvenient that we get angry about it. And so James, he, he addressed it in the first chapter. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, and I just want to stop right there. I just want to remind you that the book of James was written to Christians. It was not written to just anyone out there. It's written to people that knew Jesus as their Savior. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Did you hear that? He's addressing anger because it's so typical for us to get angry in times of trial, especially ones that seem to go on and on. Anger and frustration serve no good purpose in a time of stress. Actually, any time. They don't serve any good purpose any time. You know, we don't get our way, and so we get frustrated, and then we get angry. And why do we do that? Because we really think we can change things by getting angry. It sometimes works in our, our, our homes, you know. Kids aren't listening to us. We get angry, we get louder, and we can make them do what we want them to do. But whenever we do that against a circumstance like what we're in today, it's just futile. It's futile. It's, it's, it's totally worthless to get angry or even frustrated. It doesn't change anything except our own stress level when we get angry. 
So James goes on and says in the following verse, James 1.21, he said, Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word that's planted in you, which can save you. This is a powerful, powerful scripture to me. Our impulse to get angry, our, our impulse to be right, or our impulse to stir up strife or to make accusations, those things need to go. He says you need to get rid of all that stuff. You need to get rid of it all. And then you need to turn around and humbly accept the word of God that can save you. What word of God? He said it's the planted word of God or the implanted word of God, like it says in some translations, that the implanted word of God can save us. No amount of anger or blaming are going to change a thing. But he says here that we can actually change the circumstance. We can actually see salvation by the implanted word that's inside of us. Now, James is talking to Christians. So why would he be talking to them about getting saved? Why would he say, humbly accept the word planted in you, which is able to save you? I thought they were already saved. Well, they are already saved. It says up here in verse 18 that, it's, that God chose us to be his children and birthed us by his word of truth. So he's talking to saved people. So what's he talking about? Accept this implanted word which can save you. Well, here again, our English translation or our ch translation itself, uh, it makes, in my, in my mind, a misleading assumption about what this word should be translated. It says that that word can save you, and that word save, that word saved there is the word sozo. It's the word for salvation, healing, and deliverance. We know that that word can be translated made whole. That word can be translated delivered. That word can be translated healed, and it is in many different areas. But then they chose here to put saved, and I think it's a little bit misleading. I think the translation should have said, humbly accept the word planted in you which can deliver you. You see, sometimes children of God, we don't need saving again, but we definitely need some deliverance from time to time. And what's he talking about being delivered from? He's saying, I want you to be delivered from a spirit of anger that's come over you in this time of trial. You need to let it go. And God's there to help you let it go. The implanted word of God, that's really what I want to talk about today. It's such an interesting phrase and an interesting term, and it's so important for our everyday walk with Christ. That implanted word, it's the small voice inside of us, that, that small voice that called us to Christ when we were first saved. It's that voice that made us feel the need to even go and seek out a Savior. It's, the, it's that voice that it, it called us to open our heart to Jesus when he was knocking on our heart. It's that voice that comes and speaks peace in the midst of a storm. It's that still small voice that brings comfort when you lose a loved one. I remember the first time that I was aware of this implanted word, this still small voice, is when my mother died and I was 19 and I had a little baby, uh, six weeks old, and my mother suddenly died. She was 48 years old. It was tragic. It was, it was, there was no warning. And it was, it was terrible, and I was crying my eyes out and... Uh, I was laying across my bed, and I was crying my eyes out. And a voice inside me, that implanted word, said, she's with me. I, I can't explain it, but it brought comfort to me immediately. And I was able to quit crying. I was able to suddenly feel encouraged and not so discouraged. I was suddenly had a feeling of almost joy to know that she was in a great place with the God that she loved so much. That's the voice that's implanted inside of us. That's the voice that's so important. Let me show you how important it is. Let's read this familiar scripture, Romans 10, 17. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, that, you, you've heard it so much, you don't really know how uh, difficult that verse is to understand, but I want you to look at it carefully. Faith comes by hearing, and we can assume he's talking about hearing God's word. You know, we, we hear God's word, and, and it can rise up faith inside of us. But then he, he doesn't stop there. He says, but hearing by the word of God. Now, here's what I want to show you. Many people hear the word of God, but don't come to the level of faith. 
because they only hear it, but they don't listen to the implanted word of God. You see, the only way that they can hear, truly hear the words of God, is if they're tuned in or listening to this implanted word of God that, that he puts in his, inside of each one of us. You know, whenever we read the word, uh, sometimes we, we don't get a whole lot. But then there's other times we read the word and something inside of us connects to the word that's on that page. And you see suddenly that, that faith that's, in, it, that's with that word and it mixes with that implanted word inside of us and suddenly faith rises up to such a high level. And, and Jesus said, it's according to our level of faith that things are done for us or through us. That faith is everything. Faith is, what turn, faith is what moves the hand of God. Not our need, not our crying, not our anger, not our bickering, not you know, us whining about things. He said that doesn't move God at all. What moves God's hand is faith. And when we're not in tune with that implanted word of God, we're not able to hear the words that can actually raise our level of faith to a place where we can live through trial no matter what. It's that implanted word of God. It's the implanted word of God that lets faith rise up in us so that we can do what this word commands us to do. Apart from faith, it's impossible to do that. So if we go continue down in our study of this first chapter of James, and we go to the next verse in verse 22, it says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And so we see right there, he's talking about this implanted word of God inside of us, allowing us to have enough faith to step into the reality of doing what the word says. He says it is possible for Christians just to go to church, listen to the word, and it never do anything in them. They never do anything with it. And he said, that's not going to help you get through any difficult time. He said, we're called to live under the authority of the word. He says, humbly accept the word that can deliver you, that can heal you, that can save you. Humbly accept that word. Humbly means that we line up under it. We, we, uh, we acknowledge that the word of God is the authority. And we need to have the faith to believe the word of God and to do the word of God. And things can change in our life. James chapter 2, verse 8 says this, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture to love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. You see, that's what it means to do the word of God. He said that if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing what the word says. You're living what God says. But without faith, it's impossible to walk in the level of love that God wants us to walk in. It's interesting to me to see the spiritual progression or digression, whichever way you want to look at it, but the spiritual uh, progression of this pandemic. And you might be asking spiritual progression. Yes, there's a spiritual progression that's gone along with this pandemic. I've observed it from the beginning when we've become aware of everything. Um, the, you know, the word says in 1 John, it says that the whole world is under the sway or under the influence of the evil one, under the influence of the devil. And so this whole world, we know it's being influenced by the devil. And as this pandemic has risen up around the earth, there's been spiritual, um, uh, there's been spiritual release in the earth that's been negative. And the first one was denial. Uh, so many people denied that it was real. It's like, oh, that thing's not real. It's around the world. It's not going to come here. And there was so much denial, and it was almost like uh, they would not accept it. And then suddenly they realized, no, it's real. It's very contagious, and people are dying. And then there was acceptance, and then there was a spread of a spiritual uh, spirit of panic and fear went around the world. And then after the panic and fear, you know, uh, went on for a while, then it became blame and accusation. It was like sudden, somebody's got to be to blame for this. You know, there's an accusation against these people or maybe even an accusation against uh, the church or even ourselves for not having enough faith or not praying enough or, you know, the world's too sinful. There's so much accusation. And then the one that we've entered into now that I see is we've, we've digressed into the spiritual realm of anger. It's angry. It's violent. 
It's, it's just not healthy out there. The whole world is under the sway of these influences. But it's not to be that way for God's people. We're to be doers of the word. We're to be loving others as we love ourselves. We're to be letting that implanted word rise up in us and be louder than the voices that are around us so that we can have a level of faith and we can endure this. And not just endure, but overcome. In Luke chapter 9, verse 54 and 55, Jesus uh, is recorded here talking to James and John. And to set these verses up, uh, Jesus was walking along with his disciples and with James and John, and, and they were in Samaria, and they were going to go into a Samaritan town. And the Samaritans in that town found out that Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem, and they said, we don't want you in our town. Let me put it in our terminology today. They rejected Jesus. It's the one unpardonable sin, you know. They rejected Jesus. And so James and John, they became very indignant, very angry in when the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah did? Why did they refer to Elijah? You see, they had biblical, they had biblical grounds to be hateful and angry and even violent towards a group of people. They cited Elijah. Elijah did it. It was in the Bible. And then Jesus says something that's so interesting. He says, he, it says he turned and rebuked them. I mean, he rebuked them. I'm sure it was in front of the other disciples. I'm sure this was not a pleasant scene. He rebuked them, and he said, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. You see, what he's saying there is it's possible for children of God that know Jesus as Savior. These guys knew Jesus better than anybody. And it's possible to know the word, and then to be operating under the wrong spirit. What Jesus is saying is, you're listening to the wrong spirit. You don't know what manner of spirit. He was saying that there's, there's two things going on inside of you, James and John. There's an implanted word that I put inside there, that it, but it's a, it's, a, it's a small voice. It's not a demanding voice. It's not a loud voice. It's, it's God's voice. It's God's word calling you to a place that's, that's good. And then there's another voice. And it's a dark voice. And it's a voice that's pervasive in the world. And it calls us into anger. It calls us into justifying violence and even anger against people in the earth that God loves. Listen to what Jesus said after that. It won't come up on your deal there. But he says, the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. They just went to another village. I, I love this scripture. You know, I love this scripture. But it is a little bit startling when you read it. And you realize if, it's, if you have an honest appraisal of what you see a lot today in, in, in children of God, is there's a lot of justification for anger and even violence because people are operating under the wrong spirit. And sometimes they even use the Bible to justify what they feel and say. Jesus didn't come to destroy people, no matter who they are, what people they are. He came to save them. And we should be about that as well. You know, the spirit of the world is the spirit of religion. And that's what he ran into right here. There's a spirit of God that's dwelling inside of us. But it's possible for us to fall under the sway of that wrong spirit. It's so easy. There's only one time in recorded scripture that I could find where Jesus said there was a group of people that didn't have the word planted in them. You know, I, I, I think the word implies that when God begins to call people to himself, he's speaking to the implanted word that's in them. You know, it's deep calling to deep that's causing people to want to come to Christ. But he said there was a group of people when he was on the earth that did not have the word in them, and it's in John 8.37. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the extremely religious people. He said, you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. You seek to kill me because my word has no place in it. You do realize he's talking to people that knew the Bible better than anyone that ever lived on the face of the earth. He's saying you know the word. It's just not the word that's been planted inside of you. He wants the word in our spirit. He wants the word in our heart. It's not about knowing the word. It's about, it's about 
you know, the word being in us and speaking to us and moving us in the right direction. That, word, that, that spirit of religion is always angry and is always violent. It always opposes the things of God because the, the implanted word has no effect. And then he goes on and says in verse 23, James does in chapter 1, he said, anyone that listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. What, what is he talking about? Well, he's, he's making an analogy here that we can easily understand. He said the word of God has a purpose. What's the purpose? It's a mirror. Well, what does a mirror do? It shows you what you look like. The Word of God is a mirror. It shows us what we really look like. It's that implanted Word in us, speaking to us. When we read the Word, when we hear the Word, and suddenly that inner voice brings a conviction or a revelation to us that we, we aren't living the life that God has created us to live. We aren't walking in love the way God wants us to walk. There's this mirror that comes up and it shows us what we really, really look like. And we're to have a, we have a choice at that time. We can walk away and forget about it and say, oh, well, and just, you know, it doesn't do what God wanted it to do. And that's what he said. People that see the word or they, they hear the word and they don't do the word, it's like looking in the mirror and just saying, oh, well, I know I need to comb my hair, but I'm just going to walk off. You know, it's, it's not accomplishing what it's intended to do. The word of God is intended to bring revelation to us. So that we will walk according to what God wants us to walk. Especially in a time of trial. We're to humbly accept the word that can deliver us. We're to humbly accept the word that can bring healing. The, the religious will never humbly accept the word. The religious want to proudly impose the word. That's a big difference. God calls us to humbly accept the word. But in religion, you'll hear that it's always pridefully imposed upon other people. God doesn't want that. God wants us to look at our heart, examine our heart, and ask ourselves some questions. You know, am I a peacemaker or am I a troublemaker? Do I walk in wisdom or do I walk according to to the wisdom of the world. James 3.13 says this, Who's wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Then the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. This is what the implanted word sounds like this is what the implanted word speaks to us every time we read the bible words of wisdom words that bring peace and not strife words that are full of mercy towards all kinds of people you know it's it, loving loving people it's easy to love y'all i look at all y'all's little faces out there i love every one of you but you know it's easy to love people that love me or that i you know that i love i love but you know, there's, there's others that are harder to love. And love's never a problem until it's somebody that's hard to love. And you know, God calls us to be the, the love that's in this world. We're to, be, we're to be spreading his love around the world. We're to love these people in Congress. We're to love our leaders regardless. Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. We're to love them. You know, we're to love all kinds of people. We're, we're to love the Chinese people. You know, they're as important to God as the American people. We're called to love the way Jesus loved all people. And that's what the Word is stirring up inside of each one of us if we listen closely. It's not to be angry. It's not to bring blame. It's not to look for conspiracies. It's just to have love in our heart and, and to be an overcomer because we know that love overcomes everything else. It's the greatest of everything we have here on earth. Hebrews 4.12, and I'll end with this. The word of God is alive and active, 
sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. You see, the, uh, the implanted word, it's alive and it's active. And it, and it goes inside of us in a place where we can't even see. We don't even know exists. It's so deep. And it looks the intents and, at the intents and the attitudes of our heart. And, and it, it reveals to us what we really look like. So today, that's what I, I hear from this message. And, and, and I just want you to hear it from this message. That the Spirit of God is saying to us that, that in this time of trial, in this time of, of uh, having things imposed upon us or having our travel plans restricted or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. God says that there's a still small voice inside of each one of us that's calling us to be the solution and not the problem. It's calling us to bring peace and not strife. Uh, and so I just want to pray for us to know and to hear God's implanted word in each of our hearts. So I just want to ask you a few questions in closing today as we minister God's word. Do you have God's word planted in your heart? And maybe you're, maybe you're saying, I don't know if I do. And that's okay. But you can have. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, you do have. You may not hear it. You, you may uh, not notice it. But it's a matter of learning to hear and to, to humbly accept that planted word that's in your heart. So let me ask you this question. Do you feel compelled to love? When other feel, people feel compelled to hate, then that's the implanted word of God inside of you. It feels so good to love. Simply love. It feels so good to not judge and just to love people right where they are because that's exactly what God does. He loves us just the way we are. And he, he comes to every person just the way they are. And he loves them so much. So when you feel compelled to love, you're not doing something wrong. You're doing something very right. You're following the implanted word of God. Next question. Do you feel compassion for people in all kinds of circumstances? That's also the implanted word of God. That's the mercy of God that wants to come up. It says in James that mercy triumphs over judgment. See, some people think that the, if they hear the word of God, it's going to be a judgmental spirit. But God says, no, that's not the one that needs to come out. It's the one that mercy triumphs over judgment. Do you feel compassion? Do you feel mercy? That's the implanted word of God speaking to your heart. And do you have a desire to bring peace into stressful situations? That's the implanted word of God. You can rest assured that that's God speaking to you because he's the ultimate peacemaker and he wants you to bring peace and not strife. It's more important to be a peacemaker than it is to be right. So let's just bow our heads together and submit ourselves to God and uh, ask him just to send his word and we will humbly accept the authority uh, of his word. So God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for these words. I ask God that your spirit would teach them and, and plant them in the hearts of your people. I ask now, God, that you would just speak to hearts all over the place. Let them know you're in there. Let them hear your word. Let them feel your presence. And Father, I pray for those that maybe don't know you. I ask God right now that your spirit would just tug at their heart and that they would open their heart and they would receive you in, God, and let you... Let you be the Lord of their life for the rest of their life. And I pray for those of your children, God, that have hardened their hearts and have followed the way of the world and the religious way. And I pray for softenings of hearts. God, I pray that you would break that outer shell and allow these hearts to become soft and so that that implanted word that's in them, God, can bring deliverance no matter what, no matter what situation they're in. We thank you for this, God. We thank you that your words heal your words deliver, and that your words save, and that's what you'll do today with this word. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We love you. We miss you. We'll see you soon. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, thank you for joining us.
to jump into worship. Lord, we come humbly before you. God, we just want to lift you high. God, we just want to worship you. We want your joy to just cover us, God. Your presence. God, we just want to feel it. We want to... what we go through. You are always our safe place. And this is what we sing to you this morning. This is what we worship to you. This is what we bring to you, God. This is our offering and this is what we what we have. So God, we bring it to you and we lay it at your feet. In your son's name.
the power Cause yours is the glory Forever, amen Yours is the kingdom Yours is the power Yours is the glory
Don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. 